Hey, I'm Daniel Jose Older, one of the lead story architects of Star Wars, The High Republic, and you are listening to The Living Force. Welcome to The Living Force Podcast. Hello there. A Utini Podcast Network production. Have you come to destroy me, Obi-Wan? Episode 169, Brotherhood Roundtable, Part 2. I will do what I must. On this episode, the internet returns for Wes. I'm sorry, Anakin. For all of it. The new Star Wars novel, The Shadow of the Sith, is released. I am not your failure, Obi-Wan. And the Utini crew talks about the Star Wars novel Brotherhood by Mike Chan. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. And now, here are your hosts. Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Henkel, and Wes Jenkins. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Living Force Utini Network podcast, all about the Star Wars books you love and all their characters and their Easter eggs. And you know the drill by now. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me tonight to talk about all things Star Wars Brotherhood yet again is the full crew albeit a day later than usual. First of all, we have Dr. Corey Helton. Hey, man, hello, hello. you were ready yesterday. Oh, I man, that. I was ready yesterday. <laughs> I thought I was going to have to host, and Wes didn't have any internet, and Charles is making moves. And We just man. wanted you to be here after you were officially done. We wanted That's to it. celebrate. That's it. Guys, Tell today, the people. today was my last day of work as a resident physician. I'm officially out on my own. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Three years of residency are now behind me. Yeah, yeah, it is. Up here on my pedestal in my high horse. It's like <laughs> you really it. windy. Get some wind yeah. burn in my face. <laughs> it, yeah. Three years behind you and, and a million malpractice suits ahead of you. But another man <laughs> is ready for that is Dr. Charles Hankel. <laughs> oh, my oh, good. goodness. I love that. Um, I still have the protection of one more clinic shift tomorrow. Yeah. So that is going on. I, I may have bought a house yesterday for the first time. <gasps> All, all adult things. And that, I was just commenting to the boys that uh, if you're watching our YouTube stream, then uh, we look significantly younger in our intro video than any of us do live anymore. So we're going to need to update that. Yeah. Yeah. We got to update so. that. I mean, you guys went through residency. I got AirPods. Like, things change. <laughs> um, <laughs> but nothing is more consistent oh, than the joy and the stability not necessarily internet connection, but the man himself, Wes Jenkins. Welcome back, dude. Hello, everyone. You can see me. Not yesterday, but you can tonight. So I had a little internet trouble yesterday. Came home. There was nothing there. Um, so unfortunately, we had to cancel yesterday, but that's why we have the show tonight. Um, so after I was done with my workout at about 730, I had nothing to do. So I went to bed at around eight <laughs> fifteen. Oh I was just in bed. I was like, I don't have anything. What am I supposed to do? Like go through the old pictures in my phone? I've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> what, do, oh, wait, what do you people do at this point? Um, well, we're glad to have you back. We're glad to have you all here again. Um, welcome. Uh, if you are watching the show, 
Uh, we love you. If you're listening to the show, that love goes to you as well. Make sure to like the video, uh, subscribe on all the podcast things, blah, blah, blah. You know how this goes right now. Uh, because we have part two of a roundtable, we don't have as much news up top, but we did want to bring to light a couple things. Um, first of all, we are a show that really tries to have as much fun and keep as light as possible, because I know that a lot of times life can get very hard. And for a lot of folks, uh, it did this past week. Um, if you're in the United States, you know that there was a lot of uh, turmoil over a bunch of things, including the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And a lot of folks in the Star Wars community did come together uh, and create what's called the What Choice Fundraiser. Uh, as of this recording, I believe it's up over $40,000. Um, and if you're like me, and this uh, particular cause means a lot to you, um, I highly recommend you go check them out. Donate if you're able. Um, share and spread awareness if you'd like. Because, um, again, if people are, are hurting um, or fearful, then there's always support to be found within this community. Uh, so if that is really speaking to you, as it did uh, to a lot of us here, then we just wanted to let you know, uh, because it's pretty cool when Star Wars folks are able to help each other out and put change into the world. So thank you all for that. Another thing we want to talk about is uh, the last Obi-Wan episode, which we did, everyone, on Sunday. I think. It was Sunday. Yeah, it was yes, Sunday. It was Sunday. Uh, we, we finished off our latest season of Bounty Hunt by talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi Episode 6. Go check that out if you'd like. But if you don't want to go back to watch our Bounty Hunt episodes, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. We still love you. You're here. Um, but we Put did a lot of work into those. We did, watch we do. <laughs> but uh, we didn't want to announce that next week on our July 4th show, which means something to a lot of our listeners and is a crushing defeat for some others. <laughs> America. Um, we will be doing a show all about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, uh, kind of going through the series as a whole, uh, telling everyone kind of what we thought about it. And if you missed any of our recaps, we're going to be going through the whole series, some of our favorite moments, some of our biggest takeaways, and maybe telling you about some expanded universe type book things and maybe comic things that you might be able to read if you like the Obi-Wan show. Cause come on, that thing was amazing. I think it was amazing. We all loved it. It was fantastic. Yeah, cannot wait for next week. Uh, read Master and Apprentice, a short story by Claudia Gray, and from a certain point of view, just as a little hint. So that'll be next week on Monday. Today, however, it's Tuesday. It's so weird. Today is a Tuesday, which means it's a book release day uh, at Utini. That is a very big deal for us because Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher was released today, which means our whole site and this very YouTube channel got a ton of content today. We released the written review on the website, where you can kind of read our full thoughts all about the book. We released a video review on the YouTube channel. If you don't maybe want to read, you can check it out visually that way. We also released a video interview where we were lucky enough to interview Adam Christopher himself. We talked about the writing process, about his history growing up as a writer, and we released that podcast. Dang it. I almost made it. That interview as a podcast uh, on this very Living Force stream. It should be right below this episode when it releases. So if you want to hear Adam, who is just one of the most lovely spoken men, um, just a true joy. He was so gracious with his time and his stories. Um, and if you do watch the video, you get to see some of his Legos, uh, which were very cool uh, behind collection. him. Yeah, he did. And he had that <laughs> the white Boba Fett helmet. The prototype he did, helmet yeah, was up yeah. there. It was Which fun. Was he's, got a, he's got a good collection. When he first opened the call, he, he was like, oh, uh, he just had kind of a normal background. He's like, is this going to be a video? We're like, yeah. He's like, all right, let me move. And he moves, and he's like, all this Star Wars stuff behind him. It was a lot of fun. So It was great. That was, uh, that was cool. Yeah. So thank you to Adam for being so gracious of your time. Thank you to Courtney over at Del Rey who helped us uh, coordinate that. 
Uh, it was awesome working with this, and so we're glad that we get to celebrate that book today with all of you. And that roundtable will be coming, as they always do, about a month away from now. It's a little weird being in a roundtable episode talking about the next roundtable <laughs> episode. But Charles, you're going to have so much time coming up. It's going to be fine, man. So you're going to be great. <laughs> We'll be fine. <laughs> we'll be fine. Why is my voice getting all high and squeaky? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We also want to say a thank you to our lovely patrons at patreon.com slash utini uh, who continue their amazing support. Uh, and we have some new content for you all. Uh, we've been promising some behind the scenes of the Utini workings and celebration uh, content. And today... Over on Patreon, you can find it both on the Patreon feed and within the All Patrons Discord channel. Uh, I edited a video, very rudimentarily, uh, but I did an unboxing of the High Republic exclusive box set. Um, I kind of walked through my first impressions of it. I got, to, I showed off how it looks inside. I talked about the squishy feeling of the covers. I said, oh, wow, like many times. Um, <laughs> so if that's the kind of content you're interested in. Uh, that is up on our Patreon right now as a thank you uh, to folks. You can kind of see our first impressions on that. And as always, if you want more of that content, tell us in Discord and our All Patrons channel. Let Timothy know, our Patreon manager, what you'd like to see. All that good stuff. All right. We're almost there. Before we get into the round table, we have one thing left, and it belongs in the Star Wars Weekly Roundup. It's the Star Wars Weekly Roundup. So, Wes and Corey specifically, remember how we were at Celebration last month? Uh, Charles wasn't there. Do we, do we need to remind him again? <laughs> no, I, I That's definitely not. why he prefaced Wes, Wes and, Corey. and Corey. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, know. I just <laughs> talked about. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that was that well. Was sorry, Charles. It has I was, been. I was like reaching. <laughs> You're in. You're back. So it's been so little time since celebration. It feels like a lifetime. Um, but it's about to feel a lot quicker, y'all, because Star Wars Celebration 2023 tickets are going on sale this Thursday, the 30th at 12 p.m. Eastern. So if you are listening to this in the audio feed, I hope you got them yesterday. Or if you're a patron and you're listening in the morning, hurry. They're, it's soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Get uh, in the queue. Everybody's the queue. already there. <laughs> so, yeah, these are going on sale um, Thursday morning. 12 p.m. Eastern, uh, there was a link that they put out uh, through Star Wars Celebration. It, it, told, it was all about the ticket prices uh, for Jedi High, uh, no, Jedi High Council? Jedi Master, Jedi Master level, which is going to be 795 pounds, Holy which is, smokes. I think, like $84,000. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the dollar is not helpful. Uh, there's also the four-day adult pass, which is going to be 159 pounds. Realistically, it's about $190, so very similar, comparable to Anaheim. Um, and then they go from there. Uh, a couple interesting things, though, is that they are not doing typical media badges like they did this past year, which were kind of crazy. Uh, there will be more information on that later. They're kind of incorporating the fan stage and the podcast stage and media stuff kind of all together. So uh, folks that got media badges to last celebration, just kind of stay tuned. But uh, I am definitely going to try to just get the four-day to be safe. Uh, fellas, how are we feeling about this being... So soon, which does allow people to get air travel and like yeah, early enough, it and it's international. But uh, it makes sense. I mean, <laughs> the reality is, it's less than a year away, so like it makes sense, I guess. <laughs> uh, but like, 
I have not mentally, physically, or emotionally recovered from celebration. Like real talk. Like we like, may never at this point. Maybe it's just like a rolling level of like, like when you're so. drunk. If you just keep having a drink every like just forever, <laughs> you just never sober. Yeah, up. I mean my my first reaction when they announced the tickets are going up on Thursday was not like oh yes, you gotta get tickets. My my first reaction was ugh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like literally. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I can spring to go overseas for next year. But everybody has already said, not everybody, but a lot of people have already said, yeah, we're going, we're doing it. We have accommodations, and I've already decided to do the four day pass. And I'm just like, oh my god, should I just get it? Should I just I mean, buy it? Listen, the, and then the thing is, the thing is, convince Utini, myself nine months later to go. Utini has. <laughs> has people in the UK. We have we have Trevor and Frank who are both over there, right? And Trevor came all the way to California this year. So like I mean he said it all less he, money he than already everybody. said it all. We were giving him crap because like the day that he was like on the plane looking at accommodations. It was ridiculous. On the yeah. way back from celebration. We all gave him crap for that. We're like, Trevor, calm down. We have plenty of time. <laughs> well Trevor being Trevor, he booked like a whole bunch of apart- apartments or something that are pretty close, like like a block of like five or six rooms or something crazy because mm-hmm. he didn't have to put a down payment on it. And now we're all like, okay I guess we need these, so it's <laughs> yeah. working out. It's working out great. So, like, I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna try to go, yeah. and I think I'm gonna try to. Sp- I think I'm gonna try to spring for the VIP ticket too. As crazy as that is, go for it. If I'm able go to do it. it, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna try to. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we. It sounds like the. It sounds like monetarily, it might work out, especially if you flip some exclusives. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, monetarily. I know it sounds like it we're, can we're gonna work find out, your shadow so. accounts where you're flipping all these, but. Those, could, yeah. those also sell out, like, in the first 30 seconds, so I don't know. Yes. You almost have to know somebody, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, regardless, if you're watching us in the next 48 hours, uh, we want you to know it is they are going there. Go to StarWarsCelebration.com. Check all that out. Be ready. Uh, set, uh, you know, set yourself away from your desk. Do whatever you got to do at uh, 12 p.m. Eastern on Thursday the 30th. I uh, don't know if there's going to be a queuing situation like there was with, like, lightning lanes, things like that. Really? It, it's, I'm sure whatever it is will be absolutely stressful, and it'll be wild. Just <laughs> have a game plan going in, have a backup plan, and have your credit card. Um, Do you guys be remember the last time we bought Star Wars Celebration tickets? Do you guys remember yeah. that? It was like... I was, I was at a the, theater oh God, It was so stressful. This. Yeah. No, I, was, I, uh, I had them schedule the rehearsal around the block so I could make sure I wasn't on stage. Jesus, Erica's still working in theater. Is that long ago? Wild. Holy smokes, dude. <laughs> was, was it Celebration? Was that the day that we were – it was like the first or the second time we had tried live streaming and, like, tickets went up. Or was that the yeah. – was that, was that the movie or was, was that Celebration? It was 2019. It was 2019. Or no, oh no, that was the movie when we were live streaming and the tickets went up. That's when the movie tickets went. That's and we all bought them live. Did we all like pause? Yeah. We had to like fall, yep. we just like stop and like ran. It was like a three hour live stream or something stupid because <laughs> we're all like just like working on the computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, this was middle okay. of the day. Uh, yeah. So it's, it'll, be, it'll be wild. I hope if you're trying to get tickets, may the force be with you. Um, if you're not. Charles? T- uh, are you going to try? To be entirely honest with you. I don't know. Jesus. I don't know about leaving the country for it. I was definitely going to do it if it was in Orlando or or in Anaheim, but I don't know. Maybe talk talk to me after the show. Talk to me we'll after. Talk to you into it. Yeah, talk I'm sure you it. could. We'll get a few drinks in you and be like, Charles, Europe, uh, and just like see what happens. <laughs> if you want Charles to go to celebration, uh, tell him in the chat and peer pressure him. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> even if you're not going to celebration, there's so many good Star Wars things to look forward to. But between now and then, from Disney Plus shows, 
to all kinds of announcements like book announcements. And of course, if you want to stay up to date with books other than Brotherhood and Shadow of the Sith, which we got here and I'm sure you already have, go to the utini.com release schedule and make sure you get your pre-orders in for Padawan by Kirsten White, which is coming out on July 26th. And one of my favorite things about book release days is I get to add the next book in line in this part of the show, which is The Princess and the Scoundrel by Beth Rebus, which is coming on August 16th, a romance book with Han and Leia. It's coming, everyone. So get those pre-orders in, get ready for the roundtables, and I'm sure we're all going to talk about them with each other at Celebration with or without Charles. Um, but I think that's it for now. Not a lot of news, thankfully, but now we can dive right back in to our talk about Brotherhood by Mike Chen. As a warning, if you were not here on last week's show, this will be full spoilers for the book. So if you haven't read it yet, Give it a pause, finish it up, and then come on back. But for right now, Charles, back to you, man. All right, so last week we covered some of the bigger characters. We talked about Anakin, we talked about Obi-Wan. We even found ourselves talking about Qui-Gon Jinn, who wasn't even in this book. But this week, I heard y'all loud and clear, specifically you, Cheryl. You want to talk about some of the other characters that are in this book, and I think we should. So we're going to actually start off with none other than Rug. Good old Rude. 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 Great name. Rude. Great name. Why you gotta so be you, so rude? Listen to <laughs> the like audiobook. They they announce the character before every um, chapter. And I would say this in my house alone. I would just be Rude Quornum. <laughs> Rude Quornum. My dog was just like, what is he doing? Rude Hornum. It was so funny. <laughs> it sounds like when you're when you're calling someone and they haven't really set up their voicemail, and it's like Rug Cornum. Yeah. It's not available. <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly what it sounds like. Oh man! All right. Well, we're going to talk about Rug, who, as a reminder, or as uh, some information for people who didn't read this book and are listening to this, she was one of the Neomoidian guards and. We have a couple of quotes from Rug here. First one from page 134 where she says, I believe in the idea of the Trade Federation. When the Republic fails to recognize your homeworld as anything but an asset in shipping and commerce, you become a commodity and a statistic. I'll not let my life be a line item in a shipping manifest. With the Trade Federation, Neomodians finally have a voice. Later on page 284, Rug says, I love my homeworld. She said, turning to the screen above R2-D2, I love my people. I've done so many terrible things on their behalf because I believe that they're worth it. You're right. I could go with you to Coruscant and become a negotiator, but my place is here. I've spent my life fighting on the inside for Neomoidians. Perhaps not always for the Trade Federation, but for my people. Whatever happens to me, I will continue to fight. So question number one, did Mike Chen successfully make you root for a Neomoidian. Yes, Eric, this oh, yeah. is your moment to wax poetic about Rug Quarnum. Uh yeah, man. I think Rug Quarnum is one of the most important new characters we've gotten in a long time in Star Wars. I think Mike Chen single handedly used her as, as a vessel for talking about the trials of the Neomoidian people, for questioning the, the prejudices of the galaxy and the fans as a whole against these these whole people. And I think really used this character as a way for us to kind of look at any kind of larger fantasy story when it comes to, like, regions. Like, every fantasy world has that, like, split up between nations and states and army versus army. Like, that's fun. 
But this was such a great way to use Rug to be like, yes, I am living within this. There are problems with it, but these are still my people and we deserve to be heard. So I will help you, Jedi, but you also need to acknowledge the things you're doing wrong and not servicing all my people. And Obi-Wan's view of Rook, of being like, I just have to listen sometimes. I just have to take this in, even though I'm not the one doing it, is frankly, I think, like, one of the best on-page representations of allyship we've ever gotten in Star Wars. Loved her. Loved it. Agree. I think there was something that he, he wrote in there that said that, that uh, Obi-Wan was, one of his best assets was being a good listener, mm-hmm. which helped with with Rug as a character because he was trying to understand what was going on in Namoidia. So good on him. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Krieger in the chat kind of uh, like said what I was thinking actually is like, this is very much Cassian Andor vibes. Like these, uh, like that, especially that last quote you just read, Charles, like, like I've done so many terrible things. I mean, that sounds exactly like his uh, monologue in Rogue One, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I totally think Mike Chen nailed this character. It was uh, such a strong characterization of an alien, especially someone like the like a Nemoidian who we are kind of wired to hate because of Phantom Menace, right? And Mm -hmm. so, like, you know, get this stunted filth out of my sight. (laughs) That's that's what what I think of with Nemoidians, right? So, like, to get kind of a cool badass like sniper character was really fun and and she had a lot of depth too i feel like i mean Mm -hmm. this character was 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 very much a a a, uh sort of an adjunct off of obi-wan for the for the plot to move along very nicely i think Mm -hmm. yeah you yeah you bring up something important i think because y'all y'all really kind of fleshed out there why Rug worked as a character in terms of making you care about Neomoidians again, but I think she also had a, another really important role in this book. And the best way to kind of introduce that idea is with another quote from page 278. And it's Rug talking about her partner. I said Kitar the whole time I read it. What is it again? It's some, it, was, it was said differently in is the it, audio. Is book. it Qatar? It's Kitar. Oh, it, it is, is Kitar. Okay. Yeah. Guitar, 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 like the instrument, the, like the guitar. Absolutely, the one that Rick has from Legends yeah, Look Back. Yeah. <laughs> All right, he's a lot more fun now. Um, guitar and Kevin, my two favorite Star Wars characters. <laughs> so Rook is talking about guitar, her more or less protege, on page two seventy eight, and says, "I taught him, I mentored him, and I hoped to temper his rage by showing him how we do the work. I underestimated Ventress." The toe of her boot dug into the ground. Or perhaps I overestimated how much he listened to me. So how does Rug's journey mentoring Kitar parallel Obi-Wan's relationship with Anakin? And what, if anything, do you think Obi-Wan takes away from watching that develop? Oh, that's a... That's a beautiful parallelism that I realize is now intentional, but I hadn't thought about that until just now. I mean, Rook is standing over Kitar with the opportunity to kill him, much like Obi-Wan standing over Anakin on the banks of Mustafar. And she lets him live. She does. That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, I think... I think Obi-Wan maybe sort of sees that, like, she failed and so can he in a lot of ways, right? That maybe he did fail Anakin. We talked about that a little bit last week of, like, maybe Obi-Wan did fail Anakin in some ways. But uh, I think uh, I think it's it's a very clear parallelism there. That's very interesting. You brought that up. Yeah. yeah. You see the defiance in both of them, right? Defiance in Kitar, yeah. defiance in Anakin. But you also hope that they both learn from that. 
And you can see that Anakin learns a little bit, but Kitar doesn't seem like he's learned anything. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. Like he's listened. He's he's taken part of her like her skills and her lessons, but the the mental aspect, I don't think that he, he's it's catching on at all. Especially because yeah. Ventress is there, just fanning that flame sure. to get yeah. him to. Well, did Anakin? To be kind of did an Anakin either though? Did he get that stuff from Obi Wan either? I mean, he sort of skipped all that stuff about what it means actually to be a Jedi too. I think in a lot of ways, so. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. That's and interesting. Palpatine, obviously, you know, it being the being the Ventress role, exactly. And, and, ah, and, it, and it was so. It's it all coming together. <laughs> it's, it's wild. How how and, and, I, and I agree. I I I had heard. I had thought about the the echoes of it, but until you put it like that, Charles, it hadn't some like you know been that concrete to me. And now it's oh yeah. my gosh, that's exactly what was happening. And for me, Kitar really kind of represented how easy it is to kind of turn extremist in a way. And I think that it, in, in a dark, realistic way, it reminded me a lot of, like, um, whenever you hear, like, parents of people who do, like, terrible things, um, like, oh, my gosh, how did this happen to my kid? Or, like, I didn't know this was going on. Like, I love them. What's going on? And it's like you don't understand how easy it is for someone, especially a younger person like a guitar, if they just hear things, if they're like, yeah, you're angry, be angry at this person, be angry at the Jedi, be angry at the Republic, be angry, be angry, be angry, they hate you, they hate you, they hate you. It doesn't take that much to really push them to do some really horrid things. I mean, he went from, I want to defend my people and be a good Neimoidian to like, maybe I do need to like blow up a ton of buildings. And it really didn't take a whole lot. And I'm like, man, I, I mean, as I was reading, I'm like, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable in I think a legitimate way for how realistic this this feels, and I think there are a lot of things like whether it be uh, a dark side Jedi or whether it be like you know a, these crazy cringy like subgenre YouTube cults that like you know put out these things and tell people like you should be angry at this person, you should be angry at this person. How does that build until you get to the arena scene where Kitar is like I don't care what's real anymore i don't care if he did it or not i care what how he makes us feel and how i need to make the galaxy feel like and to watch Rug see that happen similar to obi-wan watching it happen with anakin is like no matter what's real anymore he has been convinced by darker powers that are way more convincing than me that i am the enemy that this is the way to go and oh my god how did i miss it and it's like yeah it's so chilling and that's only yeah. you know that that whole uh, that whole build a bomb sequence was like particularly chilling. I think yeah. that was dark as yeah. hell. Uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, I got I got real uncomfortable listening to that. I was like, yeah. this is like kind of too real for me right now. I don't like this yeah. at all. Like she was just like, I think you need to take action. He's like sweating and like tense, and I'm just like, yep. oh dear. Well, and <laughs> she's just like, it's it's no big deal. Nobody's gonna be there. Exactly. You just need to make a scene. Yeah. And then, and then he was like justifying it, like, "Oh, okay, so I'm just trying to to create some action here. No one's going to get hurt." And he's like, "You was, know what? Kind of sounds like a good idea." And you're like, "You can dark, see man. how people can get talked into stuff like yeah. that." And yeah, it's, I didn't yeah. like that at all. But it did. Yeah. You're right, Wes. It started as one bomb in like some like representatives building who's never in the office. That's right. And then yeah, everything yep. else must have happened off screen or you know whatever off page. Because the next thing you know, it's Anakin discovering like nine bombs or whatever all over the place. Yeah. So like yeah, seriously. things escalated very quickly, <laughs> and it and it's an exact parallel to, to things that we have seen in in our own lives. So yeah, really. Yeah. really also, that last bomb was in like a hospital or some something. It right? was right like, by the by infirmary. The, yeah, the infirmary. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah and then it's he like, ended up needing to go to that infirmary. 
Yeah. He almost yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. Whew. Anyways, okay. Yeah. Well, so Very Rook real. was incredibly important to this book. You, you could argue that this book might not have worked without Rook. So really good stuff there. I want to talk about another character, though, who, who's technically kind of secondary, but also very, very important to the plot of this book, and that's Mill Alabeth. And yes! the first yeah, quote that I want character. to read is from page 59 when she says, besides, lightsabers looked neat, and the way they hummed and buzzed, well, that seemed to be the best part of being a Jedi. But lightsabers meant violence, <laughs> and violence meant suffering. I agree, lightsabers are the best part of being a Jedi. I <laughs> oh, yeah, easily. <laughs> you can't really argue with that, to be honest. Yeah. Meditation, laser sword, come on. <laughs> on, on page 177, though, Mill really starts uh, examining that idea a bit more, and it's talking to Anakin, it says, why do we do this? Are we just swinging lightsabers and lifting boxes, or are we building peace? She got down on his level, determined scowl, now face-to-face with him under the console, Peace across the galaxy, peace in yourself. You asked me if I wanted to help people. Well, that's what I'm going to do with you. And then later on page 230, we have this quote. And though Mill was capable of picking up emotions from everyone around her, Anakin Skywalker remained a mystery. Not because his emotions were hidden. No, it was that they were all there. Each one fighting to be seen and heard, like every color thrown on top of one another to blur themselves out. So the first question I have about Mill is, did you appreciate having a non-traditional Jedi as a main character, and why did that type of character work so well as a counterpart to Anakin? Ooh. Ooh, ooh, that's a great question. Okay, so I I actually loved Mill a great deal. Our chat is kind of blowing up with this, too. Like, they seem to... Right, everybody loved Mill. She was a great Big character. Team Mill. I yes. know everybody's Team Mill. Like, she was a really fun character. I love that she was a youngling, right? Like she's not even a Padawan yet, right? She's gonna have a master. She's a youngling still, and in a lot of ways, she is sort of the antithesis of Anakin. Um, I thought in this book yeah. because the same she's way mature. that. Yeah, yeah, the exactly. Yeah, yeah. the same way that she, that Anakin is like really in tune with his emotions and incredibly passionate and kind of a loose cannon in a lot of ways. Mill is also that, but she channels it like into empathy in a way that Anakin doesn't really do. So like I, I, I loved her as a character. I loved that. Like she found the, all the violence and death overwhelming. Whereas Anakin kind of like embraces it. Like what did he, what did he say in the Kenobi show? He was like uh mercy. What, what do you say? Mercy doesn't win or something like that. Mercy won't sounds like something you would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's not mercy said, won't save you, but it's like you know, mercy won't give you victory or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I'm just like, okay, yeah. this is like, yeah. So, yeah, mercy won't save you, Padme. <laughs> I mean, that's where I was going, but it's something. But but yeah, it, it's such a it's such an interesting thing having her be such a main character, and I and I love that she wasn't like the first Padawan because it still gives Ahsoka that first official role, right? Because yeah. I think Anakin when he when he you know, brings Ahsoka on or is given Ahsoka is like, Hey, all right, I am teacher. You are student. And there's that kind of implied role but with Mill. It's like, she's just a youngling that happens to be around. So it's, so he's not putting on the teacher. And I think he's being way more honest and open with her. Like, like, uh, you know, everything he tells Mill is pretty vulnerable for him. Yeah. And I think he speaks almost as openly with her as he does with like Padme and Anakin and Obi-Wan at some points. Yeah. And I really like her questioning because it is that innocence of a child that, you know, Yoda loves so much, right? Like uh, how wonderful the mind of a child is, right? Like if you just listen to children, they're speaking 
based on how their understanding of the world. Like, Mill is still trying to figure out what a Jedi is and what the world is. So she's going to ask the questions to, in her mind, one of the great Jedi, who's Anakin. And I loved her way of being like, hey, why are we doing this? What are we doing? Asking questions that Anakin has probably only asked of himself. And I loved that they formed that partnership, which, again, led to them by the end being so open with each other, um, which I think we're going to talk about here in a second. I want to jump that gun. But, like, I really loved her pacifism and his intensity kind of going back and forth. Yeah, she was a she was a good teaching point for Anakin for Ahsoka. <laughs> yes, good point. So yes. He was like because he kept they kept reiterating the point. He was like, I can't take on a Padawan. They're like, how could I teach somebody? They kept like yeah. driving that point home, which yeah. was great. Um, but I thought like towards um, towards the end that she was going to like be a, a sort of a way seeker. She wasn't actually going to stay with the order. I thought she was going to be like a Orla Jirini or something yeah. And, yeah. and start and like go off on her own and go try to help help people like with with uh, with her force powers but not actually be within the Jedi order. So I think staying within the Jedi order and being like a helper not a, actually um like in a battle sequence but as the kind of like a medic like in a wartime mm. scenario is super cool. I, I haven't seen that before. Yeah. We've got some people in the chat. I think looking back it yeah, Stephanie Max said this first that uh, Mill was Kind of very similar to Emery from the High Republic uh, yeah. time period, and yeah. you could also say Buriaga. <clears throat> I mean, one of those like Force empaths, basically, right? That that can actually yeah. suffer from how attuned they are to other people's feelings. Um, so yeah. it was a good example of a character like that. There's there is a quote from page three twenty two that kind of is what Mills' abilities culminated in, and it was when she, it was when she. Uh, talked to Anakin for that last time and actually offered him a warning. And it's from page 322. It says, The life of a Jedi in all of the Order's forms meant a life of sacrifice, but not to the point of self-destruction. He could choose differently if someone just gave him permission. If Mill never crossed paths with Anakin Skywalker again, she hoped she might offer a single truth, a drop in the ocean that might ripple out with unseen possibilities. You don't always have to be a sun dragon. All right, I'm going to start making our, our prompts read only because <laughs> Corey's typing in here. Corey's messing with them. You don't always have to be the sun dragon. Why yeah. do you think Mill felt that that was such an important warning to give Anakin based on what she had experienced with him? Do you think she truly foresaw what he was capable of? Ooh. Maybe not to the Vader level, but I think, I mean, (laughs) maybe, you you know, (laughs) hey, I think this guy who seems really nice might kill everyone. (laughs) Um, But I I do think that she, because of, like you said, her her empathic abilities and literally how Mike Chen writes it within the book, she is able to see that, that fire contained, I think, in a very specific way. And I think it was just like, hey, I know I don't know a lot, but I don't think anyone's going to say this to you. So you need to hear it once, because that can because ha- you know I think yeah. a lot of us have that moment. Like if even if if you're going in a dark path or something's going on, it's miraculous sometimes when one person just saying, "Hey, <clears throat> you don't you're gonna be okay." Like that sometimes that can change your entire life. So yeah. I think that Mill yeah. taking that moment after Anakin entrusting her with that again, like the second or third person he's ever entrusted that to, I thought was really powerful. She's mm-hmm. she's like I know I'm new to this Jedi thing, but I don't think you're doing it right. <laughs> yeah. 
he he took that story as him like he needed to be the sun dragon as he needed to be everything he needed to have all the power but he needed to have all the wisdom he needed to be like the end all be all and she was like you know if you fail it's okay that is also a teaching moment i mean she's so i I just saw that she was so mature for her age and for just being a being a youngling like that she's learned so much I love that. Yeah, I love that scene at the end with uh, with her and Anakin and, and Yoda, and like they're talking pretty openly about like leaving the order and stuff. That was very interesting, and I love how consistently writers keep writing Yoda and how he is very neutral about people leaving the order. Like, yep. I love that 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 keeps happening yeah. in in the last couple of canon books we've we've gotten. Like, like that it's not like you can still be part of the you can still be like one with the force but not a jedi like a jedi is just a path it's not like the only path you know and it's it was really cool to to see anakin sort of visibly struggling with that also like in in a in a youngling even a padawan a youngling is kind of who guided him in a little bit of a way which was interesting yeah Yeah. i think there's there's no accident that a lot of writers nowadays and i mean showrunners i mean look at kenobi I don't think there's a, it's any accident that a lot of these books are like, hey, you know what? If you listen to kids, they really know a lot of stuff that yeah. could really help you be a chill person. And I'm like, yeah. I, I, I kind of like that direction we're going in. Yeah. Yeah, Yoda's super fine with people leaving the order, you know, if, if they stay and they, after they threaten to leave. <laughs> we're, just, we're not a cult. Just be cool. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. You can totally leave. You probably shouldn't, but you can leave if you want. It's fine. <laughs> like, whatever. But but you get one quarter portion for dinner tonight. And <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah. you brought up Mill wanting to leave the order and why it was important. Um, you brought up Yoda's reaction to it, but the, the person whose reaction was the most striking to me was Anakin's. So I, I want to get your thoughts because as y'all are saying, when Mill first said like she didn't want to be a Jedi Knight, it very much felt like she was saying she was leaving the order, not that she was going to go yeah. do this other path. And Anakin reacted really supportively. So how does seeing Anakin support Mill's decision to not become a Jedi Knight kind of change your view of his later response to Ahsoka leaving the Order? I mean, if one of your mentees wants to leave the Jedi, that's on them. If two of your mentees want to leave the Jedi, (laughs) bro, this might be on you a little bit. I think... uh, You'd think that would be flip-flopped, right? You'd think that he'd have a... He'd be upset with Mill kind of not trying yeah. to pursue being a Jedi Knight and then be okay with Ahsoka leaving the Order. It's I think it's different. It's different, though. I think it's different. Yeah. I think, yeah. first of all, I think Anakin at this this time in his life is different Anakin than he was in in when Ahsoka. I mean, he was almost Revenge of the Sith Anakin when Ahsoka left the Order. It was very close, yeah. right? A couple, right. maybe yeah. months, I would say, maybe months from that. So, you know, I think Anakin is different at that point. Like, his values are different. Also, I think the I think the, the the sheer like reason that that the these both of these Jedi left the order were completely different, right? Like, and Anakin is totally projecting about Ahsoka because Ahsoka left the Jedi Order because of the failings of the order. The order failed her, right? And Anakin at this point in his life is like he's chosen to overlook all the flaws of the Jedi Order and like that he's going to choose this lifestyle even though the Jedi is so flawed. Whereas Mill. Is like she's leaving the order because she's listening to the force, you know, in a lot of ways. Like it, it's right, so. I, I think right. those ideas are very different. Yeah. And like with with Ahsoka, not only was Anakin incredibly attached to Ahsoka, I feel like I feel like he's in a lot of ways projecting his own problems and his own like 
his own desire to leave the order on on Ahsoka leaving and how she can't she's not allowed to leave because of what she leaves behind just as Anakin is not allowed to leave because of what he will leave behind. So yeah. I, I think that I think there's there's a lot of very interesting parallels here and I, I really love that this was a choice that 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 the the writer took like to to tell this this story about this Jedi especially with Anakin being like the the master in the situation. Yeah, I also like it. This reminds me. I know we talked about Imri Kantaros uh, earlier. In the show, uh, this also reminded me a lot about Lula Telly Sola, speaking of another High Republic Jedi in the High Republic Adventures, who at the end of that run decides, hey, I, I don't think I'm going to become a Jedi Knight right now because um, my, her relationship with Zine and her, uh, some other things were like, I need to, I'm not, I'm not there yet, so I'm going to take a step back. I think Mill reminds me almost more of her than Ahsoka, because I think Ahsoka is like, the Jedi Order is corrupt, I'm leaving, this is not right versus Mill and, and Lula seem to be like, I could be better used elsewhere. I'm not quite ready for that step. That's not where I'm, I'm going to go. Like you said, Corey being called by the Force. And I think, interestingly, if the Jedi had originally been like, hey, we have multiple career paths you can go on, uh, maybe it would have been a little easier. But I think, honestly, people like Mill, people like Lula are more tuned into the force are more connected to what a Jedi actually probably should be than a lot of those that are just like, well, I gotta be a knight. Well, I gotta be a knight. Well, I gotta be a knight. So I think that, you know, Ahsoka was finally the one that said those paths aren't open to me. It's not even that the, the order has gotten even more corrupt because of the whole war happening. And I wonder if this story was kind of post clone wars in a way like Ahsoka's, if Mill would have been a little more extreme in her decision versus becoming a combat medic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rug and Mill are going to round out who we talk about here in the character section. We just have a few big overarching questions before we move on to Easter eggs. And the very first question that I have for y'all is first and foremost, the business on Cato Neomodia. (laughs) Did it, did it count? (laughs) I think so. Anakin literally like, he was getting shot at, right? I mean, Obi-Wan might have made it out, but I think it counts. I think it counts. Okay. I, I, I don't I just, think it counts. No? <gasps> I don't think it counts, no. I think he, he had it kind of under control. He got away, right? He was, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean technically <laughs> his lightsaber was on the way to his hand when Anakin jumped in and like knocked it <laughs> out of true. the way. Exactly. And he turned himself in. He didn't just get captured. So <laughs> I, I do have to say I do have to say that this being the the quote unquote canon Cato Nemoidia story now is very funny considering the legends the legends Cato Nemoidia story was basically Obi Wan actually bumped into like a like a box full of LSD and got super super high and like stumbled back to like where they were going was like super crazy and Anakin had to like carry him and he's just like super high out of his mind that was the that was the the legends version of that so like I appreciate you, that oh this God. one this one is legitimately like a like like Anakin was actually involved in saving him so. I like that they didn't just make it pure humor this time. <laughs> you know, we talk a lot about the difference between canon and legend. Sometimes the difference is very simple. <laughs> Every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Every bless once in a while, it's, it's a case full of mushrooms, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is All fun, right. though, to, to go back and, you know, rewatching that movie and hearing that line, and you'll think about this novel yeah, and the experience you point. had with it. Oh, yeah. Never not Wait. think about it yeah. now. So, but what are we saying <laughs> as a show? Like, so I voted, I voted yes, Wes voted no. I vote no. I vote no. Does it count as saving him? You vote no. I vote, I vote no too. Yeah. All right. He, all right. I don't think he saved him, man. I think Obi Wan was about to get his own ass out of that situation. All right. Well, so. you are all the reason Anakin never feels valued and becomes Darth Vader. So, all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, well, man. you know we talked. Thank you, Stephanie. 
Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> We've talked a lot about the failings of the Jedi, maybe uh, Anakin being one of those. But I want to talk a little bit about the, the failings of the Republic, because a lot of that was brought into light in this novel. And we saw the Republic as an entity kind of questioned more strongly than maybe we have in a lot of other mediums. On page 148, we have this quote. In a time when Jedi planned military operations, Padawans became soldiers and a clone army appeared out of nowhere. All of the clear delineations of roles, of protocols, of morality itself suddenly disappeared, leaving only a fuzzy definition of what right and wrong were supposed to be. So let's, let's start there for a minute. First, looking at the Jedi as part of the Republic, how they were kind of folded into the Grand Army of the Republic. What did you think about kind of getting the the closest look we ever have at how quickly Jedi found themselves part of an army? Because there are a lot of moments oh, yeah. where they're like, why are you calling me general? Like, what? Mm-hmm. how did yeah. this happen? Yeah, which we have just accepted that. because of the show. Like, we're exactly. like, oh, yeah. yeah. But, like... It seemed very yeah, they, sudden. Uh, they very named the uh, yeah they named the government thing this time right the gov- the act in the Senate was the yes. what the Jedi Militarization Act or something like that what was it is that what it was oh, uh, it was it was right at the end there here yeah, talking yeah. one of the last it was like, like Jedi Militarization Act or something like that which I was like that's the whatever that was called was pretty like 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 brutal and like as a yeah. as a word like just as a as a name for it of like wow this is very. Jedi Army, like sounding like I don't know. Yeah, that was really cool. I like getting that. I, all the all the the questioning of of Anakin enjoying the power, right? Of of being yeah, a military right. leader. That was kind of heavily yeah, featured yeah. through the book too. He had a lot of moments where he was like, "I can tell these guys to do anything, and they will." Yeah, he listen did. To me. Like he did. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty wild, pretty wild. Yeah, it was just he was just getting that test of, okay, so I am a I'm a Jedi, so I am a general. I'm a general now, so they can have all these people do like what I asked them to do. And then he has a battalion behind him, yeah. and he's never done that before, right? He's been when you say peacekeepers, they would just be a, maybe a, a Jedi and his master, a Jedi and a Padawan that would go to yeah. a world and help, like you know, smooth things over. Yeah. Sometimes you yeah. know have to to escalate to to lightsabers, but usually just you're there to discuss. But now with the like having a battalion and like having to change your mindset to where you're actually destroying droids for you know yeah for the, for the most part it's 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 got to be like killer on your mental yeah. like ambition yeah well and it was really weird because like one of a lot of our favorite designs in Star Wars from a, a costuming standpoint are Clone Wars like the Clone War armor for Obi Wan Anakin is badass. Right, it's all, I mean, oh, the, yeah. the Funkos that I have next to me right now are, are that armor. They're incredible. I love it. But the chapter where they're like getting it and putting it on, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, I mean, cool. Oh, right, because you can't just use a robe because now you're going to battle, huh? Okay, odd. And then when Mill especially is like, hey, I think I want to be a medic instead of being twelve and going to the front lines. You're like, no, that makes <laughs> it. Wait, of course, that should be the like. But that's the odd choice. It, it, I think it's really. It's funny because Mike Chen could be a little more overt if, if it was if it was not written as well. I think it could have been a little like this is stupid, right? Ha <laughs> ha! But he really writes mm. it deftly because it honors the lore. It honors the choice of a lot of the the you know. It doesn't make the Clone Wars seem awful. It doesn't like look down on it, but it really just kind of makes you reckon with it and be like, maybe sending kids to war is bad, and maybe. Oh, Anakin and Obi-Wan, had they not had war experience, 
maybe they wouldn't have been as tight, but also if Anakin could meditate more, like, it just really brought it into a new perspective, and I, and I, and I enjoyed that perspective. Again, I think we always talk about the books are at their best when they retroactively expand your view on previous yeah. media, right? And I think that's exactly <laughs> what it did. Yeah, that's a really good point about Anakin and Obi-Wan having a tighter relationship because of the Clone Wars. Like I listen to a lot of uh, podcasts with Navy SEALs and um, some of the soldiers in the wars from overseas, and they, like, they're brothers till the day they die. They're closer than family. And so having that relationship with Obi-Wan and Anakin because of those battles within the Clone Wars, it, it makes total sense. And that was really well written by Mike Chen. Absolutely. Well, beyond the scope of the Jedi themselves, there was a really interesting uh, passage here from page 212, and this is Anakin, and he thinks individuals made wrong decisions, but the institutions in their life, he wanted to say that, of course, they were trustworthy, that they were the foundation that everything was built upon. How trustworthy they were, though, depended on the people in them. As long as morally sound people like Padme, like Palpatine, steered those institutions, they'd be safe. Keeping those people in power, though, meant finding and confronting bad actors, especially the ones in the shadows. Well, for all the talk about the unseen forces playing both sides that they discover in this book, you know, people operating in the shadows, all of that, the Jedi really got no closer to figuring anything out. And of course they didn't. That that was the boundary of the book. Um... But do you question why Anakin is so loyal to an institution whose failures arguably led to many of the hardships of his life? The slavery that he was born into, the death of his mother, the Jedi taking him away. Why is he so fiercely loyal to this institution? Charles, that may be one of the biggest questions of life, I think. <laughs> like, over, overall, I think that, like... Every person at some point, I think, has that moment of wherever you're born and like in, in real life, wherever you're born, whatever you look up to, however you're raised. Sometimes you have a moment where you step back and you're like, the things that have made my life hard, I have been helping in whatever way. And it's a really shocking moment. And I think that, you know, some folks double down and they say, great, I'm going to change these systems. I'm going I'm to be a part of it and make sure it doesn't happen to anyone again, which I think is what Anakin is kind of trying to do here. Um, but then there's other people that are like, burn it down. Like, this is, you can't just fix it. We got to start over. And I think that's any system. I mean, the last 10 years, look at life, right? It's like, everyone is like, I have been believing in a system that does not believe in me. And is it all run by people that don't care about me? It is Star Wars. It is real life. It's poetry. It rhymes. But in Star Wars... I think that Anakin is such a great catalyst for this because the Republic does, in its way, take him out of slavery. It rescues him from Tatooine, gives him a home, gives him meals, gives him friends, gives him family. Absolutely. But like we're saying, at the same time, leaving the Jedi isn't quite an option. So it kind of traps him in that. Then it puts him in the, in the middle of a war, but it also gives him power and leadership. Like it's, It gives him and takes away everything constantly. And I think that struggle is so fascinating to witness. And I think wherever you are in your life as you read this book and read about Anakin Skywalker, you can find yourself on his journey, which is what I think makes him one of the most three-dimensional characters in all Star Wars. It's incredible. Definitely. Hmm. Any other thoughts? I'm just, I'm, why? Why? I'm kind of torn. Yeah. Right? I'm kind of torn about that because 
A, yes, the, the Jedi Order got Anakin out of slavery and helped him learn and progress his, his powers and, and get in tune with the Force. But if the Jedi Order had not been there to take him, or if Qui-Gon had not been there to take him to the Jedi Order, would his mother still be alive and would he have to right. think about that the entire time? I, I think that... That's why I'm torn. I think he like goes back and forth. I think he knows that being with the Jedi Order is the right path for him to take. But damn, does it hurt just to know, just to have that possibility of maybe not going with Qui Gon that day and say, "Mom, I'm gonna stay with you." It's just, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I, I mean, who, <laughs> you know, who among us, if if bad things happen in your life, do you not look back and be like, "Had I not gone." Had I not trusted yeah. this person, had I not done this, had I not joined, it's this so podcast. hard not to internalize. Yeah. Had I not started this podcast <laughs> with these fools, would I have a have every Monday night or Tuesday night open? Um, I think it is think, very think real. Of how much I think, you could have accomplished, God. Exactly. <laughs> I could have gotten residency like done languages. so much quicker. You'd just be playing video games. That's yeah, fair. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> All right. Well, on you can't second guess yourself. Is what I'm trying to yeah, get. You. you yeah. You probably just can't second guess. Yeah. You can't do a lot yeah. of what ifs because that's just going to drive you crazy. Anakin, like you and Anakin the was Dark Lord. also Anakin was also raised by the Jedi who like basically did nothing but brainwash him like the entire time since he was a kid right. about like yes, there's lots of evil in the galaxy, but the Jedi are doing their best, and you know we we all try to be the ideal versions of ourselves. And he was probably around that like his whole life, right? So yeah, yeah. easy to fall I'm into. Sure, the heard trap. about it as a kid too right yeah. like as a kid he's probably like oh the jedi the, yeah. the amazing oh, yeah. jedi. no one can kill a jedi like that's right. what yeah. he knows yeah and, and i think it's interesting like the biggest question we always have about anakin right or one of the biggest ones is what if obi if he would have told obi-wan about him and padme what if they would just would have been honest and said hey the system that we serve is broken mm. it does not allow this kind of love i think that's wrong let us work together as trusted friends to change the system to forevermore be better and he didn't do that because that's just not how it works. And I think that a lot of folks in all kinds of systems of life is like, this is hurting me. This system is corrupt. This is not right. But having the strength to reach out and say, hey, this might screw me over personally, but I need to fix it. It, it, it takes a lot more courage than I think a lot of folks give it credit for. And Anakin yeah. just not doing that and assuming he can do it all his own eventually led to the downfall. You know, and what if he had told Mill? What if he had told Obi-Wan? What if he had told Rook? I don't know. Like, if anyone had had the moment of, like, let's change this. Because I do think that's what Rook is trying to do with the Nemoidians. Like, she sees what's corrupt with, with the Trade Federation, and she is actively working against it and suffering for it sometimes. Like, she's yeah. losing her yeah. reputation. And Anakin just doesn't quite get there with the Jedi. And again, so close. It's so close in Star Wars yeah. every time. Well... On that note, I think we move this book on. This makes me sad, guys. I'm not yeah. going to lie. This is, <laughs> it is sad. This is Maybe still we're not going to be okay. I don't know. <laughs> this is still a tragedy. But let's, let's yeah. get to some more lighthearted things. Maybe let's talk about some Easter eggs, some connective tissue, and just some random thoughts. And I want to start go. this section off with a shout-out to Mike Chen specifically. Mike, Mr. Chen, if you're watching this, thank you so much, man, because this is always my job on these roundtables. And you literally had a, a – twitter thread where you listed out a ton of these easter eggs never had an author do that at least not in so much detail so that was much appreciated i kind of picked and chose some threw some of my own in there as well we'll run through them like we always do so the first one's from page 12 when mace says remember that war is like a fire across the galaxy and that is a reference to the kartikovsky uh clone wars micro series 
when the show opens with Yoda stating that like fire across the galaxy, the Clone Wars spread. So starting it off with a shout out to Dude, Tartacosti. this book had you from page 12, man. <laughs> oh, it uh, page 18, apparently the Katasura district of Katamordia, where the, the city fell, or part of the bridge city fell, is named after Cade Sura, the protagonist of fellow Star Wars author Michael Marici's Black Star Renegade series. Oh, friend of the yeah. show. Awesome. S- spelled exactly nice. the same way. I love that. Uh, from page 25, we have this quote. He continued to watch Anakin, who took a moment to gather himself before stopping to talk with Jaro to Paul and the red-haired youngling who trailed him. Now, that would be oh, Cal wow. Kestis. Yes. Cal Kestis. I didn't realize that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. so Anakin Skywalker had a very brief interaction with Cal Kestis. Good stuff. And Jaro to Paul. Yes. What a great name. R.I.P. On, <laughs> on page <Yeah>. 27... <laughs> The Coruscant underground speeder races that were run by this mobster family, the family, right? It, it seemed to be a callback to 2000's Rogue Planet by Greg Bear, uh, in which these races happened through the garbage pits of the underlevels, and Anakin was always wanting to race in them. And he did get to race in them in that book, and we knew that it was a very similar thing in this story. So, yeah. Also, we didn't mention it. I, I don't know if it's coming up in a Fury Easter egg, but that reminds me. Like, the fact that Anakin watches, like, bootlegs of pod races yeah. on his, like, his cell phone is, like, the best thing in the world. <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. He, I'm just, does like, it, he does it in the freaking cafeteria <laughs> on, yeah. the, on, a, on a public TV, right? He, like, hacks that thing and, like, watches yeah, it. He's just, like... Exactly. That's like me at every theater tech rehearsal <laughs> where I had like the NFL playoffs on. I'm like, on my iPad. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, what do you want from me? It's the playoffs. <laughs> Well, a little, a little later on page 30, an HK assassin <laughs> unit is mentioned, just like HK-47 from KOTOR, but this one was actually polite. It wasn't like HK-47. <laughs> on page 31, we have this quote, Despite their marriage, their lives had prevented them from living as such. What with Padme handling things like the situation on Hevaker Minor and Anakin bouncing around the galaxy. Well, the Hevaker Minor situation was detailed in Queen's Hope by E.K. Johnston. So if you're right. curious what, you what Padme was doing, go pick that book up. On page 31, Anakin, or Padme is thinking about Anakin or talking to Anakin. It says, I don't think you need a disguise. Without your Padawan braid, no one's going to recognize you. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> was it, wasn't she, she was being facetious, though, wasn't she? I, I don't know. Being... I took it at face value. <laughs> Maybe it went right over my head, but I was uh, I was intrigued. Check. Look, watch. That's that's a Wes? Come on, I can't get it off. Screw <laughs> it. <laughs> we'll never know. We'll never know. All right. Well, speaking of Anakin's hair, on page thirty-two, Padme says, "I'm actually going to miss your short hair." And uh, Anakin responds, "Maybe I'll grow it out to annoy you." Have you seen how Obi Wan's hair flows in the back? And she says, no, please, anything but that, prompting them both to break into laughter. Well, first of all, shots fired at Obi-Wan. I love your flow. Yes. Uh, but the joke's on Padme because Anakin does actually grow his hair out, right? That's so, true. Yeah. yeah. There's multiple references to, to the mullet. To Obi-Wan's mullet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, same page, uh, 32. Anakin is observing the Coruscant underworld, and he says, With the layers of structures too dense to reveal the sun, life felt encapsulated in a bubble here. 
And that's a possible <sighs> reference back to the Obi-Wan and Anakin comic when Palpatine brings Anakin down to the underworld and he tells him that the rarest resource on Coruscant is the sky. Wow. Yeah. Great Dang, moment there. Interesting. Um, page that, get, that, get that, that gets the Corey Helton. I love the Easter eggs that have a lot of depth to them. Like, like yeah. either the author is the one when that notices them, or it takes like a, a, a Charles deep dive on Wikipedia to find it. Like, yeah. so this happen. <laughs> well, and that one literally has depth because it's very d- low below <laughs> the surface. The deep. <laughs> Uh, on page 35, this was a cool one. Noxie Kell, Jocasta News assistant, was named after Kelly Knox, who helped Mike Chin with factoids for this book and has obviously done her own projects in her own right. But great call out That's there. called a Tuckerism, fun fact, whenever Tuckerism. authors put people's names into books. Interesting. <laughs> if anyone wants to Tuckerize me, DM me, it'd be fine. It'd be cool. Yeah, I was like, uh, Jinkwest. Jinkwest. My name backwards is my name backwards is Kyer Nesrelli. Like that is a Star Wars ass name. That's very Star Wars. That's very Star Wars. My my first name backwards (laughs) sounds like for sure a like a punk, like just a punk. I don't know. Well, now you gotta say it. Cell Cell Rash, like Charles Cell Rash. Celrash sounds Cell-Rash like a, be, just, you hate that guy. Celrash like is a absolutely a, a food. species. Like, like Kyrenus <laughs> really has to go help the, the Celrash. This yeah. book is writing itself. All right. <laughs> and then Corey Horn um, can also be a part of that story, right? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, page 37, Please, Obi-Wan. No. <laughs> Obi-Wan and Dex eat sick six-layer cake, which is a cake... Created by Gregory Walker for just the Legends article on the hyperspace section of StarWars.com in 2009. But it was later brought to canon in a specifically reissue of What is a Wookiee in uh, 2015. That was a reference book that was initially released in 2005. But six six (laughs) layer cake, not until the reissue in 2015. Good stuff. Paid, paid him off in, uh, in layer cake to get information out of him. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> On page 44, carbonite is used to encase Anakin's Padawan braid, which is so, you know, log- logical next step was to try it with a human for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the same page, Padme and Anakin share some frozen Joral cream, which is a delicacy first introduced in Lando's luck. Mm. On page 45, we have this quote. She was always thinking about how to make things better, just like when she sent Sabe to Tatooine in a quest to free those enslaved there. So again, we see a reference to the Queen's Trilogy by E.K. Johnston. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, same page again. Padme is noted to, quote, squinch her nose up. And that's a mannerism that specifically came (laughs) from E.K. Johnston in Queen's Eric. Squinch her nose up. (laughs) Now, here's a fun one. Page 55, we have this quote. Kiati Mundi tented his fingers and leaned forward, scars still healing across his cheeks from his recent encounter with General Grievous. Well, now, when did Kiati Mundi face off with General Grievous? <laughs> Only in the Battle of Hypori, which was first shown in Chapter 20 heard of, it? of Tartakovsky's Clone Wars <laughs> microseries. Though that battle actually was canonized, Corey, by James Lucino in Catalyst. I don't know oh, if you know that. Really? Yeah. I did not it's, know that. It's mentioned yeah. in that book. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, page 59, Professor uh, Hu, Hu Yang. I never know exactly how to say it. He's mentioned. The droid professor, right? Yeah, that's uh, the droid professor, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's mentioned. Yeah. There's a whole bunch David of... David Tennant voiced him. Yes, 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 yes. 
the, yeah, the, the best doctor. Fight me. What? Uh, no, you're right. <laughs> I'm not gonna fight you. <laughs> There's a lot of talk about pod racing. Uh, on page 44, there was children playing with a toy pod racer. On page 63, that's when we got Anakin in the Jedi cafeteria watching a pod race. And on page awesome. 75, <laughs> the cherry on top, the actual Fire Mountain Rally, that specific pod race was mentioned. And if you've ever played the Nintendo 64 pod racer game, you know that that's one of the tracks in that game. So, wow. yes! Incredible. <laughs> Bravo. Uh, how has no one done a full-length pod race in a Star Wars book ever uh, since It makes minutes? no sense. How has it never happened? Please, authors, someone put... A full pod race scene it, in a book. It Not was just on, casually please. watching it. I want, a, I want a whole scene. Yeah. It was on that uh, in a chapter at, at Celebration, right? They put that big kind of collage up of different characters and things yeah, and said they things did. were yeah. coming. And one of the things was a pod racer. So Yeah, they mentioned pod racing. So maybe we'll yeah. get the full we'll get the full game. If we get a so. pod racing book and a Therm Scissor Punch appearance in the same year, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Therm. All right. Therm. On page 64, Obi-Wan thinks, perhaps peace could be negotiated if we all watch sports and drink ale together. And that, and that's oh. that's Eric's life philosophy, I think. That's so. it, man. <laughs> that's it. Watch sports and drink ale. Just don't be an Eagles fan. <laughs> or a 76ers fan. Just don't be from Philadelphia. <laughs> don't Philadelphia. I'm sorry, guys. We love you all. <laughs> on page 93... I guess slowly our, our influence crushes <laughs> to nothing out of Philadelphia. Wait, 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 wait. Real quick, Wes, how do you feel about the Phillies? Oh, you know, I am a, uh, I am a big um, Charlie Hustle fan, so sorry, man. I don't know what that means, Wes. How do you feel about the Phillies? So, Wes, how do you feel about the Phillies? <laughs> oh, man. All right. All right. Everybody hates me. Who cares? <laughs> Yeah, there's there's my lost Twenty twenty two World Series champs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh dear. Yes, get, out, the trash get out. Astros trash can. That's appropriate. Drumming on a street light, playing at my banjo. That's a Doug reference. All right, anyway. Here All right. <laughs> what? Doug, Doug, like Quail Man? Doug, the show. Quail yeah. Man? Doug? Doug? What yeah. the hell? Yeah. This okay. Banging Weird. on a trash can, drumming on a street light. It's when they make a band. I don't remember that. We but are playing off the damn rails, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Holy smokes. His, his best tables. friend's name was Skeeter Valentine, and his girlfriend's yeah, name was, was Patty Mayonnaise. I remember Patty that. Patty Mayonnaise. <laughs> Roger Clark. Skeeter. I want my nickname to be Skeeter from now on, guys. <laughs> can right. you introduce me? Is that next we week on the show? <laughs> yeah, guess what, Corey? It won't be. Uh, Charles, what you <laughs> Dear God. All right. On page 93, Anakin. Sorry, Mike. Uh, this is about Anakin. Um, as a Jedi, you'll encounter many different people. Some of them you'll see again and again, and other times your paths will only cross for the briefest of moments. But you can learn from every one of those encounters because every being in the galaxy has something to offer. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of patience to find it. And I just wanted to call that line out. Uh, let's say that's our show's philosophy, right? Um, yeah, everyone, I think it is. Everyone yeah. belongs in Star Wars, and uh, we're all here for a reason. So just sit back and enjoy. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> On page 104, Bracca is mentioned, uh, yep. the planet from Jedi Fallen Order and Resistance Reborn. Yeah. yeah. 
underrated planet that we all wish we could have played on more in Fallen Agreed. Order. <laughs> too, too soon, too soon. On page 108, Palpatine says, Master Windu can go on for hours about shatter points, but perhaps that lack of empathy is his very own shatter point. So, yeah. nice callback. First of all, burn on Mace Windu. Total burn. <laughs> Second of all, nice callback to Mace Windu's unique force ability. The namesake of the 2003 novel Shatterpoint by Matthew Stover. Keep it together. First of all, burn. 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 <laughs> he, can go on, he can go on about Shatterpoints. Maybe this is his Shatterpoint. Oh, is that from the novel Shatterpoint? <laughs> I know. <laughs> seriously, this book, uh, this this book crapped on Mace Windu a couple times. A actually. lot. Like, there yeah, was that there moment was just... where Anakin Good. was teaching the younglings, and Mace, for no reason, walked by, looked in, glared, and walked away. Like, <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. He glared. It was just freaking hilarious, man. Good. Yeah. Uh. All right. It, also, it was also implied that everybody kind of hates him too. Like <laughs> that's that's like, actually kind of becoming like a canon thing more that like Mace. It is really was a jerk, and people knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, page one fifteen. Nyx is mentioned. The very material that nearly caused the civil war in the Chiss Ascendancy, oh, yeah. as featured yeah. in nice. Zon's wow. Throne oh, nice. Ascendancy series. That's rad. On page one thirty one, Sister the Trans Clone makes an appearance. Yeah, uh, Sister. Yeah, exactly. Just recently introduced in E.K. Johnson's Queen's Hope. Happy Pride Month, Sister. On page one thirty, two, two days left. <laughs> we made it. We just made it. On page one thirty six, we have this quote: "The weather mix also created an accumulation of blue tinted sand, just thick enough to be annoying, yet not quite a way of life. Still, it got in the joints of his mechanical hand, even when he'd covered it with a tight fitting glove. The convoy away, Anakin removed the glove and tried to blow some grit out of his knuckles. See, he said to no one in particular, "No one believes me, but it gets everywhere." <laughs> Probably the biggest oh, fan service moment in the book, but it was yeah, good. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> Page 148, we have this quote The <laughs> yeah. last time Obi Wan was in a bar, he nudged a young man to go home and rethink his life, then severed the arm of a would be assassin. So, call back to Elon Slee's Bagano or Slee's Bagano. <laughs> uh, Gotta Bagano. love it. Bagano. Yes. <laughs> Oh, man. <clears throat> uh, just on the next page, there's also the quotes, and he gave himself time to have a drink, which I think was a callback to where are you going, Master, for a drink. Yeah. He found himself in a bar. Why not? On page 177, Anakin. This is about Anakin. This was why he'd never, ever considered dealing with the Padawan. He knew how stubborn they were. That was him mere months ago. And so, you know, Wes, you brought it up earlier. Anakin thinks so many times throughout this book he could never have a Padawan. And we know he does just very shortly after this book. Yeah. On page 180, Force Sprint is used. Not commonly yeah. seen, but got to love that. Love Probably the Force Sprint. Once, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Where does that, uh, where does that rank in all Force powers? Force Sprint, like number dude, sucks. It's, seven. It's one of those, it's one of those <laughs> shitty light side powers that you don't want to use, but you have to spend your Force points on it. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those. <laughs> like in okay, Jedi, if a Jedi could only Force Sprint, guess what? He's the Flash. That's, <laughs> That's still it. so right. cool. Like, right. <laughs> all right. On page oh, 189, man. Obi-Wan. Uh, it's about Obi-Wan. He recalled a, a wall where he'd found data chips hidden by a Jedi long ago on the planet Lenara. And that's a reference to the events from the upcoming novel, Padawan, by Kirsten White. Because oh, that, wow. that line fits up perfectly with what 
we know from the synopsis of what's going to happen in that book. Oh, I had just started that, and that's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> On page 197, about Mace yep. Windu. In all of the challenges that Mace had faced down recently, from taking down Jango Fett with a single lightsaber swipe to staring down an overwhelming wave of super battle droids on Dantooine, dot, 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 the quote goes on. But again, the wave of super battle droids on Dantooine, that's the whole episode of Tartakovsky's Clone Wars. They're on that's, Dantooine. That's, that's the they're one that's on the one where the, where the clones are like kicking so much ass, right? Isn't that where they're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like he like, hits the no... guy and he kicks on their gun and he's like, Gurr! yeah, that one, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no dialogue, it's just all action scene yeah. for it's like the, most it's of the It's the, the, so the little kid that watches Mace just destroy these people, yeah, right? He like, and he then, like jumps off a sand crawler or something and like... It's a big tank. Yeah, it's a big tank. And then he lands next to the kid on the hill, and the kid offers him some water, and he takes a sip, and then he jumps right back into the action. That's how the episode ends. But I always notice when he jumps away, his force essence or whatever uh, knocks that kid's hat off, and it blows away. Interesting. Come on, Mace. It's rude. You know who would hate that? (laughs) You You know who would hate Mace Windu because of that? Snoke. Yes. Because <laughs> his stupid hat would fall. Maybe that kid got yeah. a better hat because of it. Maybe. It we can only hope that ear flaps. On page 201, <laughs> Obi-Wan wondered if Qui-Gon had foreseen all of this. The fact that Qui-Gon would forever tie two opposing forces together, their partnership always edging towards spinning out of control, but always, always finding a way to make a happy landing. Another happy landing reference, right? Oh, Another yeah. Another happy landing. <laughs> on page 251, Good. this was a great reference. The Mogganite bounty hunter on Vasid is mentioned, and that's a reference to Gizman, the bounty hunter from Shadows of the Empire. Wow. Our, our, our very one. good friend on the Cosmic Force, Emma Park's favorite book. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she loves Shadows of the Empire. <laughs> On page 285, on Anakin and Padme's secure comm channel, we have a quote about that. Because in some ways, those letters and numbers held their marriage, held their marriage up across the stars. So, of course, oh, wow. using the very name yeah. of the John Williams track. Yeah. Beautiful. On page 291, Obi-Wan flexed his fingers over his lightsaber hilt, then whirled it into a ready position, his right hand high behind him while the blade lay parallel to the floor, the heat from it palpable against his cheeks. His weight rested on his back foot, and his left arm extended fully, two fingers out for precise balance. For the (laughs) Republic, he said. So classic Obi-Wan pose. Gotta love it. If you're watching... Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, that might come up. might come up. (laughs) On page 321, Rig Nima is mentioned, and that's a consular Jedi that heals Yoda in the Clone Wars Season 6 Lost Missions. Oh, wow. Nice, nice. And lastly, on 321, the planet Valo is mentioned, the site of the Republic Fair from Kevin Scott's The Rising Storm. A lot of High Republic yeah, love. Where, yeah, there was. That's where Mill's going, yeah. right? She's yeah. going to Valo. Valo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. so got to love that... Uh, we're working in High Republic stuff into all these other sure. eras now. I legit get so giddy whenever it gets brought into modern canon because yeah. obviously, like, now that it exists, it, it does feel like in Legends when they would mention something about, like, Bane or mention something about, like, yeah. that. that yeah. is the exact feeling it that permeates. I get now. It's really so fun. Yeah. Yeah. It permeates through all the stories, and that's, that's going to be really fun, especially once High Republic is concluded or whatever and we know what the big yeah. story is, then it can really leak into its influence and stuff. So I can't wait for that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun. 
Back when the Mad Titan Avar Chris killed everyone but four Jedi in the Order. Like, what the hell? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I don't think so. But. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. But maybe. Well, that's the last oh. Easter egg that we have. But I would like to end this roundtable in a very specific way. So, Eric, if you would grab your hymnal, as you would say. Absolutely. And turn to page 329. <laughs> Will you just read the way that this book ended? This passage about Anakin and Obi-Wan that I just think was so perfectly done. All right, let's see here. <clears throat> Those two little blue lights buzzed through the droids from behind, cutting through them like a knife through Nerf butter. The battle droids finally noticed that their numbers were rapidly diminishing and nearly in sync. They all turned and began a hail of outward blaster fire. And the red blaster bolts spiraled off in every direction, the blue glows deflecting them as easily as rain bouncing off a speeder's windshield. The blue beams moved in complete harmony. Two ends of an infinite tether, one a blunt instrument attacking with frightening speed and power, and the other a great, graceful dance of precise violence. Where one moved, the other complimented. Where one attacked, the other defended. Where one swept, the other struck. They charged through the battalion, brilliant laser swords in a controlled hurricane that whipped apart row upon row of battle droids until the last one fell with a mechanized groan. They moved forward in determined silence towards Rug. Her hand gripped beneath her dirt and shed corgi fur between her fingers and eyes blinking through the thick Cadonamoidian air pulse quickening as she saw her future in front of her through the mist two silhouettes emerged the glow of their blades giving off enough light to eliminate any doubt of who approached of who could pull off something as impossible as this rescue there stood obi-wan kenobi and anakin skywalker brothers in arms of the jedi order and together they were unstoppable mm. Mm. that's mm. that gets the cory <laughs> grunt right there mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's it man that's 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 the book yes that's that's yeah. the universe happened? they didn't tell us what happened at the Rude end no no, no 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 um, <laughs> <laughs> even in they were passage, not fast enough even anyway. in that passage alone uh uh nerf butter nice reference and corgi fur nice butter. reference um mike chen is Absolutely a big dog weird. person if you get if you go on his twitter he he's yeah. always posting doggos but um but yeah wonderful wonderful way to end the book i mean really just Again, set the stage. It was one of those Revenge of the Sith novelization passages to, for me. Yeah. Like it, it felt like something we could have read from that book. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, guys, that's it. That's the end of the roundtable. I, I just want to take one last chance here to go back around. Give any final commentary you have on this book and what it meant to you. The floor is yours. Mm, Mike Chen killed it. I got to say. I really do. I really think he killed it. Uh, book was super fun to read. I think it added a lot of value, especially right before the Kenobi show. Um, I enjoyed it, like end to end. I would read it again. Highly recommend it. It goes up there for me in in one of the best like standalone books that's been written in new canon. I really enjoyed it. Like it was fantastic. I mean, it just had a lot to a lot to offer, a lot to offer. And I've really enjoyed talking about it with you guys. You made me like it even more. And uh, I've really appreciated the the Easter eggs. I think all authors should do that from now on. A Twitter thread, yes, it's Twitter so thread helpful. with Easter eggs, because especially for stuff that we don't know, like like I wouldn't have gotten the Kelly Knox thing, like just because I would have caught that. You know, I'm not smart enough for that. So yeah. I would have liked to. Those are cool. So please, authors, keep doing that. Yeah. And uh, overall, just fantastic experience. Great book. So this book, I 
This is the first one that I have listened to twice. So I listened to it uh, all the way through, and then I just restarted it and listened to it again. Um, it wasn't too terribly long, which wasn't, uh, which is a plus. Um, but I, one thing I really enjoyed was giving us the transition of from Jedi to generals because it it made it seem like it wasn't seamless. It was like it was super difficult. It was straining on their like on their mental in their mentality of what should they do? Should they be should they be Jedi and and not like go towards um, violence or they should they be generals and just absolutely go towards the mission and get some kind of finality? Um, so I appreciated that they put in some struggle with that and it wasn't just okay now we're generals and you start. You know, taking out droids. So um, that was one thing that I think that we needed because there wasn't really that transition that we've seen, whether it be um, movies or whether it be TV shows. I haven't really read anything in the comics about that, but I'm sure there was something. Um, But I'm glad I read it in this book. Yeah, um, I I completely agree. As as happens with like every book we read, talking about it with you guys has just made me really just love this book so much. I think Mike Chen really did something we haven't seen in Star Wars a lot. I mm-hmm. think he he was kind of really unrestrained as far as comparing this world to our world, bringing in some real-life things. And I think that as hard as it was, like we said, for some of those things, as dark as they may have gotten, it really created a book that made you think. And I think the best Star Wars books make us think about the real world while expanding the Star Wars universe, and this did both of those so well and really just made obi-wan and anakin that duo that i mean god we miss and that was never around for long enough and i really i cannot imagine this is mike chen's one and only full like novel in star wars after this i think it was so fun and i can't wait for him to write something else again um but that being said i need more obi-wan and anakin I need more Rogue, I need more Mill, and I won't say no to more Padme and Anakin Carsex. <laughs> the first thing <laughs> that you said no. in part won't one was, no. we got Carsex. Lest we forget. <laughs> I, I agree with everything I'll say. This was a ton of fun. I love still how much prequel love that we're getting. I mean, I'm just eating that up. Um, and, uh, you know, my reaction is to more Obi-Wan is Kylo Ren's reaction to more blaster fire at, uh, Luke <laughs> more. more, it's going to be wild for you, Charles, cause you're going to get brotherhood Padawan and an entire TV television show about your favorite character all within like four months of each other. You're yeah. going to go into such a depression next year when it's just like normal content. <laughs> like you, yeah. you gotta, you gotta start preparing for that. I know, but not today. Not today. That's right. All right, y'all. Well, that's all we have for the roundtable. Thank you so much for being here. Throw any Easter eggs we missed in the chat. Uh, let us let us know any of those. And please, please join us for the next one, which is in Check's Watch. I don't know, <laughs> two weeks, something like that. <laughs> okay, we got a little bit of time. This is a thick. This is a thick boy book. Uh, but yes, we got another month to our next roundtable. We'll let you know. Obviously, plenty of time ahead of that. Before we get out of here, uh, Charles, as always, absolutely killed it on this roundtable outline. The summaries, the questions, the quotes that make it so much easier to set the Utinis at the end of the year. So that's very much helpful for us. Awesome job, dude. I'm so glad that the that that they're giving you your boy because of that. You've been in all this work for non-Obi-Wan books, and it's finally coming to roost. So it feels good. 
All right. Well, folks, speaking of Obi-Wan, be sure to join us next week, back to Monday, our normal night, where we'll be talking all about Season 1, maybe the only season of Obi-Wan Kenobi? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, But for right now, that'll do it for this roundtable and this week's episode of The Living Force. If you support us on Patreon, thank you so much for that support. I hope you're enjoying all the new behind-the-scenes content we're throwing up on there now every week or so. Uh, But, of course, you can join at utini.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash utini. A special thank you to Brian Dooley, Patrick Ortiz, Earl Q, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Elizabeth Cloutier and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. You can find us on Twitter at Eric Eilerson, at Corey M. Helton, at C. Hankel, at Boss West, and of course at Living Force Pod and at UTD underscore US. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire, and Wes, our producer and community manager. Thank you to Corey Charles and Wes for potting with me on a Tuesday. Thanks to all of you for watching and listening, and as always, may the Force be with you. There is no hatred, there is joy. There is no division, there is union. There is no apathy, there is passion. There is no gatekeeping, there is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Cove. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember, the Force will be with you, always.